Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to another episode of A Few Goodmen. This week, we're talking about The Artist. Uh, this is a silent movie. This is Dana. What are your What are your initial impressions of this movie? You just finished watching it for the first time. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm a you know first time first time watcher. Um, I'm I'm slightly torn on a few things, but I do think for certain that it is an amazingly well made movie. I love this. Uh, movie. That is the one thing. That's the one thing I'm not certain. That's the one thing I'm I'm certain about. The one thing I'm not certain about is whether or not I I, I like this movie at all. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I it's probably not a super popular opinion, but um, I thought I well, like the main character. Or, um, spoilers if you've never seen it, or if you've never seen any movie before, um, because it's basically that. Uh, George, the main character, is just a very unlikable asshole the entire movie. Um, never, rede- never a single redeemable quality about him. I don't know if I agree. Uh, I found him very charming. Oh, you know, he's charming, but he's not a good person. Um, no, pr- he's kind no of a so- probably he's, not. He's a sociopath um, who... who who on multiple occasions tries to kill himself when whenever people try to help him um yeah it's yeah i don't know anyway you you like this movie i love this movie i did not like i watched this movie when it first came out about 10 years ago or so and i liked it the first time i see it and i loved it the second time i watched it this is uh it's kind of like it's kind of like a cool chunk of history because like when the like in the times of the silent movie, there used to be a debate when like they started introducing sound into movies, whether or not sound should be introduced, because there were a lot of purists that thought that movies were a purely visual art. And for me, this movie very much harkens back to that idea, very much harkens back like that debate is the core of this movie. Somewhat, I, I see. I, I wish, I wish it would have gone a little. Bit, I, maybe they, if they have gone into a bit more of these kind of things, because like they kind of simplify. Um, it's a very, very simple plot when it comes to like what they actually portray. portray. Um, you see the main character George Valentine, um, who is this silent film star. Uh, you see him at one point watching a, a talkie. And, and laughing at it, going like, "Oh, well, like if this is the future, I don't want to be part of it." Uh, and then when it becomes the future, they understandably fire him because he said that he didn't want to be part of it. And then that's that's as far as it goes into like the industry part of it. Oh uh, well, what do you mean? Like until uh, Peppy Miller, who is like strangely fanatical about George the entire movie. Well, because she feels um, saves like... Saves him a couple times. Because he gave her her career, and she feels like she kind of owes it to him, I think. Ah, but she doesn't. And she didn't... He didn't give her her career, because her career really, you know, blast off when she started making Well, but the um, thing is, like, he gave her her first on-screen uh, film, film appearance. He gave her her first, like real life press and he's the one who suggested giving her that beauty mark and she even went on to star in a movie called the beauty mark which was like the absolute like 
benchmark for her career. Oh yeah, he he definitely helped her get her start, but he's not responsible for her career. Um, he, like, there's a scene at the very beginning where she's like pretending to be both her and him, and she's all like nuzzled up against his coat. Yeah, because. <laughs> and then he walks in, and he's all like, uh, "You want to be a movie star? You got to have something different about yourself." Um, and he draws a dot on her face. Yeah, and like. Um, and I love scenes like that because yeah, it, so you know, much it's, is it's, said with like maybe one or two lines of dialogue. Like, yeah, like I I think this movie is amazingly well made. I, I will not I I won't give it any critique when it comes to like the technical sides of it. I'm just not like I'm I'm un I'm uncertain about elements of the story. Maybe maybe it is like a the kind of movie that requires a second watching. Or maybe I just wasn't in like the mood to watch this privileged asshole keep on getting the world handed to him over and over and over again. Except for he lost um, he lost everything. Also Yeah, and he he initially had to sell all of his stuff and um Pepe helps him out by buying it so he's got money. And then when he finds out, his natural reaction is to put a gun in his mouth. Um, spoilers. Uh, yeah, it's got one of the funniest moments, though, when it says the entero, um, like the, 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 the card says bang. It's and because it's actually, she crashed the car into a tree. Millie is. Uh, m- yeah, yeah. Um, Pepe, Pepe Miller, not Millie. Um, yeah, so anyway, let's let's kind of. Okay. Take a few take a few steps back. Um so it's it starts off I've got a question for you, Mark. Yes. Established star of silent films. Um uh, Peppy Miller, who is uh, she auditions to be in this uh she's an actor to him at like a press situation. A paparazzo uh Tells him, tells her to kiss him on the cheek, and it becomes like a big news headline. Um, oh, by the way, that scene, there's a scene involving Malcolm McDowell, and I was going like, "Oh, Malcolm McDowell's in this movie? That's awesome! He's such an amazing actor." And then he's never in another scene. <laughs> he doesn't even have a card. Um, he doesn't have a line. Like even even by silent film standards, he doesn't have a line in the movie. He just uh he just points to a headline. Um but yeah, Which so I still she, think it's kind of neat. Oh yeah, I just I just wish that Malcolm McDowell was more in the movie. That's just me coming as a fan of him as an actor. Um But yeah, and then she ends up auditioning, getting this well, uh, you know, quote unquote auditioning. She kind of, you know, she shakes her body in front of a guy for thirty seconds and gets a part as a dancer. And uh, and there's this whole like beginning of this like relationship of like you know like the elder statesman and you know the young the young up and comer, like how old is their age difference supposed to be? I'm gonna guess that she's in her early twenties and he's in his mid fifties. Because they're only four years apart in real life. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. She's four years younger than him. Oh my god, that's hilarious! How old is he? He's as of recording, he is forty-eight years old. 
48. Yeah. So he so this so movie he was, was made about 10 years ago. So he would have been like 40 then. Yeah, 38, 38 years old, and she was 34. Um, wow. Okay. So like I didn't buy like so like I would say that I bought him being as an older man, and it's impressive to learn that he was only 38 when he did this. Well, like I I bought that he was being a lot of it actually. Um, I don't know if you caught, but a lot of it felt very similar to kind of like um, Citizen Kane um, in that he is supposed to be like a Citizen Kane like character uh, even even complete with like the scenes like the dining room scenes with his wife and then he eventually has a flip out and he destroys all of his stuff just like Citizen Kane mm-hmm. but the one thing I personally I, I bought that the, the idea was that he was supposed to be older than her but I never actually like bought the fact that he was older than her um, they they just looked too close in age, but um, he... the the movie that this reminds me of the most is. Did you ever see Modern Times? No, no. But there's a few shots I I am familiar with that. There's a there's this one shot when he had just gotten I think he just got fired, and you see kind of like a like a cross section of the studio, um, and it reminds me incredibly of Modern Times. It's right before. Um, She's like, oh, I just signed on. Uh, maybe we could be in a movie together. Um, yeah, and then, exactly. Of course... Like this is Modern Times was uh, Charlie Chaplin's very first talkie. It was he didn't speak much in the movie, but it was the first movie he had that like integrate like included sound effects and like background noise into the movie, and he actually sings a song in it. And, like, the very climax of that movie reminds me a lot of the climax of this movie of, like, uh, like kind of an old silent movie star stepping into this world of sound. Yeah, and um, some interesting historical context. The, this movie starts in 1927, which is the year that The Jazz Singer was released which was the very first major motion picture to have sound. So it starts right at the beginning of, of the sound era. And, uh, and actually I was looking this, I was, I was curious, the last major motion picture to be released with out sound, like the last major silent film came out in 1935. So this ends just a little bit before the silent era was completely dead in the water. It, it, it lasted longer overseas uh, just because it's really easy to market um, silent films in different countries because you just change the cards, basically. And you well, pay, exactly. You, yeah. Um, oh, also, another. I got to give another actor shout out. Um, one of my favorite actors in this movie uh, was James Cromwell. Uh, James Cromwell uh, as the character of Clifton. I thought I love Clifton. I thought he was such a sweet character. Yeah, he like the thing is, I like he is the only character I felt um, like compassion and and, you know, feel like I felt I felt for for Clifton more than more than George by by a long shot. There's this moment where uh, continue. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say there's a scene where uh, where George fires Clifton because Clifton has been working for a one year unpaid. And he's like, but I don't want another job. And he just stands by his car, like not knowing what to do. Um, 
and that was like one of like the like I feel like that was like one of the like the emotional um peaks of the movie for me. I felt so sad for Clifton and I was so happy when we see him again in uh working for uh Peggy. Yeah, Peppy. Peppy, sorry, yes. No, it's harder uh, to remember know, people's names when you never hear them out loud. So you know who I think was the best character in this movie? Was Oof. the dog. The okay. dog was the best character of this movie. This is the only time I've ever seen a movie and gone like, you know what? That dog deserved an Oscar for that. Yeah, you know what? I think that one of like the prerequisites to winning an Oscar is that you should know what a movie is. Um... Do you know this dog has a memoir? Yeah, this dog was also in Water for Elephants. Yeah, like, which, books which... have been written about this dog. That's how great this dog is. Okay, I've never seen Water for Elephants, but I did not know it had anything to do with a dog. Um, I read the book, but I don't. I never saw the movie. Literally, the only thing I I I I only know the title. I, I assume there's elephants in it. Um, it was about a man who. <laughs> Away from a nursing home to join a circus. Ah, okay. So yeah, not not what I was thinking. I was thinking it was like along the lines of like Operation Dumbo Drop. Drop. Um, yeah, just based on the. It, but it's a book too. Um, I, I'd be curious to, to see what the script for um, the artist looked like. Do you think it was like what twenty pages? Probably. I mean, I, I I bet a lot of it was just like it was actions and like suggested. Di- I bet a lot of it because there's a lot of the times we see them talking, but we don't hear what they're saying. We just kind of pick up the gist of it from the context. Yeah, and and it's not until the very end when you realize just exactly how French um, the actors how are. French is. <laughs> yeah. And I- I bet that it wasn't written like that, but it's just because they happen to have cast uh, Jean, uh, what's this actor, Jean Desjardins? Jean. Is his name? Jean, de, Jean, Jean Desjardins, yeah. And also, um, Pepe's played by a French actor as well. Um, Brigitte, yeah, and you hear that Brigitte at the very Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and I don't know what accent John Goodman's doing at the very end, but um, it's delightful. <laughs> Yeah, John Goodman so let's is talk one a of little, the because yeah because because it's the topic of the podcast. Let's get into John Goodman in this movie. Yeah, John Goodman. John Goodman once again playing another film producer who smokes cigars in the center of his mouth. Um, <laughs> Did you see Argo? You see, you saw Argo, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I saw that movie. Does he? I forget if he smokes cigars in it though. I, I haven't seen that one since it came out. I don't. But he he was also the same character in Trumbo. Yeah, <laughs> another grumpy. He was gr- he's great in that movie. He just like just start somebody comes in for you, and he just starts smashing up his own art, his own office. He's like, I make garbage. He's like, I don't. Oh give yeah, a f- I'm looking. They're communists. This is these are shitty movies. Yeah, I I'm looking forward to us doing that one. I I really like Trumbo. Um, it's a really interesting double feature, like to watch back and back, back to back with um, Hail Caesar, um, because oh, yeah. those are because those movies are basically about the exact same thing, but told from different genre perspectives. Uh, oh, I've never thought about that. I should go. I should watch that again soon. 
Yeah, Hail Caesar was an underappreciated Coen Brothers movie, I think. Actually, Hail Caesar, Hail Caesar kind of reminded me there is that this movie ends with a really actually probably my favorite part of one of my favorite things about the whole movie is the way that the movie ends. Um, I just wish that there had been a little bit more setting up to kind of make me feel for the George character personally. Um, I felt it kind of maybe rushed things. I, maybe they just in, anticipated that audiences could only really sit through like 90 minutes of a silent film. So it feels so. Parts I, of it you know felt, what? I liked the length of it. I felt like it never overstayed its welcome. I always oh yeah, feel I, like shorter is better. Yeah, for the most part. But I, I feel like another like twenty minutes could have like, for instance, um, when Doris leaves George, um, and you probably don't even remember that her name is Doris. Um, it just it felt like it felt like nothing because like I'd literally never seen them interact outside of the you know the breakfast situation. Um, and, and outside she, of like her being like kind of like kind of pissed at him. Yeah, they, they they never established a good relationship. Like the very first time you see them, she's pissed because there's the headline, and then every then there's like only two or three other times you ever see her, and she's the only thing you see is her scribbling on pictures of his face, and that's the entirety of her character. Also, funny enough, if you're talking about weird age things, she's ten year like almost ten years older than the guy who plays George. <laughs> so. Um, that's good. Yes. That's, that's weird just the, how they chose to cast this movie. Yeah. Um, oh, but yeah, so I mean, just like, I guess I'm just, because it has a lot of similar beats, but in kind of a silent film era to like Citizen Kane, I wish that they would have done a bit more of the character developing in, in any of the characters. I, 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 I don't think I could tell you more than five things about any character in this movie. I don't know if I necessarily needed more character because the like for me the heart of this movie isn't necessarily the characters, it's the story and how they're able to tell such a story. Like what I what I admire so much about this movie is that as far as dialogue goes, the movie only tells you what you need to know and nothing else. Everything else you have to pick up from context. And for me, like being able to tell a story that's for me, that was disengaging with that little, with that little dialogue to me, that's incredible. Yeah. And like, there's a okay, case so this is what I, he, this best, I guess, exemplifies what I'm talking about. There's this scene where, so he tries to burn down his house um, because he has a fight with his shadow um about being a loser and so he gets all this smoke he gets all you know uh inhales all this smoke and he's all sick in the hospital and and peppy comes and takes him takes her takes him back to her uh her mansion because she is a very successful actor at this point and that's when he discovers that she bought all of his stuff to, in order to help him financially and then all this, then the music just gets very intense um, as if I'm supposed to be feeling anything like, like bad for him or I don't know. I don't, it, it felt, I, see, I thought that was, I, I thought that was a good reveal. I like, like I felt for like, 
I felt conflicted for that guy in that moment too. See, I didn't feel I I hadn't there hadn't been any setup for me to feel anything for him. Um I didn't I mean I think that but like you it's very much established that he's hesitant to take help from people and now it's kind of been forced upon him and he does he doesn't handle it well. Yeah, yeah, he he tries to he he almost kills himself. Um when he finds out that um a a friend treated him like a friend. Um yeah, and then there's this she's just then there's this big scene where she is just an awful driver. Almost, almost hitting multiple people in order to save his life. Um, yeah, because she's uh, yelling at Clifton to come, come to the car, and when he doesn't respond in like thirty seconds, she takes off. Um. <laughs> I mean, but like to be fair, like realistically, she would not. That character wouldn't be a good driver because she grew like she got famous young, so she wouldn't ever have to drive herself. She got famous f- f- for like four years before that, but yeah. Um, Totally. She had a driver, Clifton. Uh, I, now, I w- what do you think? What do you think about? Sorry, what do you think about the music in this movie? Because to me, like the score holds up, like a good portion of this movie. Yeah, I thought. Okay, so here's the thing: is that I thought there was a few moments when the music stopped, and it was like, a, it was like relief. Um. It was like okay, finally some silence in this, because it was just I found the music to be overbearing sometimes. Um, See, but like I felt like I always felt relief when the music stopped, but it was always because I was being like for me whenever the music stopped, it meant that it, you were being drawn into the scene. You were being like the movie was telling you like, hey, music's out, pay attention to this. And you know what? When it comes to sound, I thought there was a like I was. I, I must admit, the first like twenty minutes, I was very, very bored. And then there's really this genuinely interesting scene happened where I was like, "Oh, this movie's about to get interesting." Where he has this nightmare where he can hear things, but he can't make any sound. Um, yeah, and it's it's a. Oh, it's such a really, really well done scene of sound editing. But then nothing, nothing like that happens ever again. Um, oh yeah, like the, the yeah. There's this whole like see, but you also remember, Mark. I don't care about the dog, and like the there's so much like pandering. I don't know how the dog was. This dog was such a cool character. There's so much pandering to the dog character in the first twenty minutes, and it's just as you know. I don't know. I because the dog is cool. The dog's not interesting to me. I don't care. I don't care about the, the dead. Dog. The dog's dead, by the way. Dude, yeah, I, I'm I'm aware the dog's dead, and I still think he deserves a posthumous Oscar for this movie. The dog got a memoir. Doesn't even know what a book is. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> this fucking dog. I I don't know. You garbled out there for a moment, but. It, I probably disagree with you. This president, Dana. <laughs> okay, I, I'm very much acknowledging the fact that my opinion on dogs in movies isn't isn't a my isn't a majority. It's a vast minority, but I find them very boring. Um, I find watching dogs to be extremely boring. In 99 out of 99 times. Um. 
but yeah, that's, that's what ninety nine out of ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent of the times I find watching dogs boring. <laughs> and... I was like, did he say that wrong, or did he say it right? <laughs> but like, just more like misleading than he meant. Yeah, actually, I'm gonna be. I I gotta be honest. There's one dog movie that I do like, and that's All Dogs Go to Which Heaven. Movie? Uh, see, and that's the one dog movie I hate. Why? Why do you hate all the... Okay, that's a hot take. That's a bigger hot take than disliking the artist. Um, why do you Why do you hate all dogs go to heaven? Because it's fucking weird and stupid. <laughs> and you know what? All dogs don't go to heaven. When they die, they're dead. They're lying. <laughs> Oh, it's such a beautiful movie, and it's so weird and wonderful. And oh. they should have called that. They should have called that movie. Some dogs get memoirs written about them. <laughs> oh, I I actually own that movie. I bought it because it's not on Netflix. Well, that was a mistake, Dana. Hey, I've watched it multiple times since buying it, which is not something I, I could say about. We very much. F- I feel like we very much flipped this conversation. A minute ago, I was like, that fucking dog deserves to get his dick sucked by all the lady dogs. And you're just like, I don't like dogs in movies. And then you're like, but what about all dogs go to heaven? I'm like, those dogs can fucking eat a dick. They can suck the dick of the dog from the artist for all I care. Oh, it's Burt Reynolds. It's Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise playing playing two mischievous dogs. Oh, but yeah, you know what? it does nothing for me. And the fucking alligator scene is weird as shit, and it means nothing. Let's make music together. Oh. <laughs> don't. Don't <laughs> ever. <laughs> Let's make sweet harmony. Oh, it's so good. Why is that scene in that movie? So, There's no point to that scene. So the little girl gets a cold. Oh my god. <laughs> That's the fuck it. <laughs> also, it's an awesome song. Fuck you and fuck all dogs go to heaven. <laughs> you know what? If if somebody started watching this halfway through or listening to it halfway through, I don't know how they would. They would think that you're the dog hater. You know what? I I think I th- and they would be right in this instance. Um, what do you think about James Cromwell's other dog work? What other dog? What other, what other dog work did he do? Well, he's, you know, very famously worked with a dog and and a pig. In uh... oh right, he was he was not he also he actually got the nomination for best supporting actor for Babe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then be- later, you know what? Babe also didn't do much for me because he- like maybe it's, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie since they were new either. Yeah, yeah, like I've I, like I haven't seen it in years, but I remember even as a kid, I was just like, "All right, that's the voice from D of DW doing that pig," <laughs> and it's the voice of Agent Smith as the sheepdog. Um, wait, who's which? Who? Who? What actor is that? Um, he's also like an elf in one of the Lord of the Rings movies or whatever. Um, Hugo. Oh, okay, yeah. Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving. Yeah, yeah, he's the sheepdog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, um, and James Cromwell is the guy who decides not to kill his pig and becomes rich for it. Uh, See, I think John James Cromwell is just so like, I like just every time he sh- we should do a podcast about James Cromwell next. All's well that's Cromswell. All's well that's <laughs> Cromswell. <laughs> I would be mad at you if I wasn't so charmed by that pun. <laughs> hey, you know what? Something is weird. I, I think about popular culture. Um, so there's a line from the movie Babe where I'll say, that'll do, pig. And that line is referenced in the movie Shrek. That'll do, donkey. But more people, yeah. more people reference the reference than the original line. Yeah, because here's the thing. Like, Babe was great for a season. Like, that that was a movie of that year. And then, like, of course, for, like, the next few years, it'd be like, ha that'll do, pig. But, like, who really just is like, man, I, I gotta watch Babe again. Nobody goes back to watch Babe again. But people like, go so back now, to like, watch I'll Shrek. Watch people go back yeah, to watch... Shrek is awesome. Why? Man. Why is Shrek awesome? Dude, Shrek is better than Babe any day of the week. Have you watched? It is like. Have you watched either of those movies in the last decade? I have watched. I watched Shrek last year, and it is still as good as it was back then. <laughs> really? How does the animation hold I up? I can't think. You know what? The animation holds up fine. It's not like, like you know, like it's not as good as the animation now but it holds up fine it's like the original toy story you're like oh yeah this is the first time they did this it still (laughs) looks pretty good yeah yeah it was supposed to be chris farley hey it was i've actually seen like old cuts of chris farley doing those lines and i kind of would have loved to see the chris farley cut yeah he wasn't irish or or scottish and it was a lot sweeter and a lot more sentimental yeah, it would have been. Yeah, that would have been an interesting. It just there would have been a whole generation of kids who all of a sudden became a fan of uh, of Chris Farley. Um, yeah, it's like one of the most. I think it's like the most successful movie Eddie Murphy's ever been part of. Yeah, that's probably the case. Which is very odd to think if you know his, his, the rest of his career. But yeah, Al Zimmer. Um. What do, what do you, what do you think the the backstory of Al Zimmer is supposed to be? What do, what did you pick up from this movie? Uh, is in like he's the direct, he's the producer, right? Yeah, he's John Goodman's character. John Goodman's character. Uh he just seemed like a dude who had been doing this a while. Who like I don't know. You don't pick up much of his life of anything about him other than he is a film producer. You know what? What? Because again, this isn't a movie about characters. This is a story. And but I, I will give John Goodman this. He is. A, he does very good face acting. He's incredible. Yeah, he's at, he's excellent in this movie because yeah, he has those he has those facial expressions. Yeah, actually, the entire cast, except for I, I thought that I was glad that Missy Pyle wasn't in most of it, but the entire cast was excellent. Um, Missy Pyle was the first; she was like the actor in the very first movie who got all pissed off when um, she was outbilled by a dog. <laughs> <laughs> 
And you know what? She was outbilled by a dog in this movie too. Yeah, in the actual like there was a campaign. In the actual movie. There was a campaign to have Uggy nominated for an Academy Award. Was there really? Because I like I just that was just what I thought after seeing the movie was like, give this dog a fucking Oscar. Yeah. Um, people said very similar things about the dog from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. There was a dog in Once Upon a Time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, probably not so much that dog. That dog was, you know, what? how can you compliment Uggy and completely forget about like the dog in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was actually crucial to the plot. Yeah, fuck that dog. <laughs> oh man, you are hard to keep track of. You, so you're just an Uggy fan. <laughs> yeah, Uggy is fucking Uggy is the man. I don't. I didn't even remember there was a dog in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood until you just mentioned it. Yeah, his name is um, so so Sarui. It's a yeah, very, very. I guarantee that's not how it's pronounced. S a y u r i. No idea. Sayuri, maybe. Yeah, three-year-old American pit bull terrier. Um, and won an award for it. Uh, accepted the Palm Dog Award on behalf. Uh, well, Qu- Tar- Quentin Tarantino it's did. Yeah, yeah, it's an award that uh, your uh, your your big old Uggy won, but posthumously. Yeah, see, that's bullshit. They should have the fact there was a book written about him before they gave him any awards. What more did they want from this fucking dog? <laughs> Okay, what do you think a dog would appreciate more? Um, A piece of metal it doesn't understand or a book? You know what? It doesn't care about either. Which is more edible? That's what they care about. (laughs) Probably the book. I mean, yeah, dogs do tend to eat homework and shit, so. This dog looks a lot like Wishbone. And you know what? Another dog deserves an Oscar. So, because um, they're both Jack Russells, it's. But here's the thing that upsets me. Okay, Mark. This is. Okay. This is described as a heartwarming memoir by the Jack Russell Terrier that starred in The Artist oh, I like and Water for more. Elephants. Like. That's, that's gotta be the dumbest book of all time oh my god i have to read this like a dog is like there it's obviously not a real dog writing the book but that meant that they had to go author and they're like listen man we know that like it's not really working for you right now so what we need from you is to write a book from the perspective of a real life dog and the dog's going to get all the credit for this book. And we're not even going to credit you, but we'll pay you a bunch of money. And the guy is probably like, Oh, for yeah, fuck. I guess nothing else is going on right now. My career is going nowhere. I'll write the fucking dog book. And then he sat down and he's just like, arf, arf, I'm a dog. I like to lift my balls. And then they're like, okay, that's the book. No, Mark, listen to this for real. 
Dear reader, wow, bow wow. Wild ride, wilder even than learning to water ski or skateboard. I'm so famous now that the New York Times plugged my autobiography. Oh, it's 190. Oh, the hardcover version is 240 pages long. Dude, how? <laughs> how? Like, I mean, like, be like, I was a dog in a movie. And like it did a lot of stuff. Like I guess you could go into like what this dog had to do to learn how all those tricks and shit. But like other than that, what happens in the life of a dog? Oh, do you hear about? I don't know. Does it? Did it get neutered? Um, that's probably a whole chapter. Yeah, he's wearing a bow tie on the cover. Oh. Yeah, this. You know, I, I, I really, I really like this. <laughs> yeah, it's called Uggy, My Story. And you know what? I hope, I hope it got a Pulitzer. Oh, that dog deserves an Oscar and a Pulitzer. <laughs> and you know what? Why not the Nobel Prize for Literature as well? Why not? <laughs> But it's categorized as an autobiography. Like <laughs> that's the best. That's the best part about it. Everyone's gonna pretend like a guy didn't write that book. Honestly, Mark, I, I'm trying to find. Like it took me a bit to find the the ghostwriter. Like it's not. It's, like when you Google, what's the name of the ghostwriter? The ghostwriter is. Just a sec. I get it back to that page. Taylor Holden. I have no idea who they are. Let's see. Taylor Holden. Um, yeah. Let's see how your career's gone since then. Probably not. Probably worse. You know, and then they're like, and then I tried to do the one from the dog from Frasier, but... Oh, so Taylor Holden Taylor Holden is actually a pseudonym of Wendy Holden, um, who's written over 30... Who's Why? written over? Who knows who she is? <laughs> written over thirty books, and is a uh, a journalist in the UK. Um. Okay, so this is a person with an actual career that that makes it even worse, Dana. <laughs> this is a person whose career was going fine, and then they're like, "Hey, do you want to do the dog?" And she's like, "Fuck yes, I want to do the dog book." Also, if you're like. She didn't have to do the dog book, Dana. Also, if you're like a if you're a journalist under the name Wendy Holden, and you're like, okay, I'm going to be writing this, I'm going to be writing something that's not as professional as my normal work, uh, so I'm going to come up with a fake name, uh, but I'm going to keep my real last name. Uh <laughs> I think she's like, okay, I'm going to write this book under a fake name. But the fake name that is also writing the book is also under a fake name. <laughs> and they're just like, but like, 
you it took how long did it just take you to figure out who she was 20 30 <laughs> seconds like she really wasn't like she wasn't really like leaving us any real big brain busters the lead bat <laughs> there yeah she's uh writes for the daily telegraph uh so she's a war journalist <laughs> okay so that's even that makes this weirder just like somebody oh you know what actually now it makes a bit bit of sense somebody who's just like i've been writing about like kids having their arms blown off for years i've seen so much shit and they're like do you want to write a book about a dog she's like fuck yes also thank you. she is she uh has a. this isn't the first um autobiography she has co-written um she also co-wrote an autobiography with goldie hahn Okay, she can't. You can't say she co-wrote this book. <laughs> <laughs> that is not acceptable. I'm sorry. The dog had very little input. How much input do you think Goldie Hawn had in hers? I, you know, probably more than nothing. <laughs> she probably did just as much typing as the dog. Hey, there you are. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was the last thing you heard me saying? Uh, we were talking about, I think I just called her Goldie Holding. <laughs> um, yeah, and I started, I asked you a question about uh, famous, how much you think famous dog signatures were worth. And, and you, when you didn't respond, that's when I realized that either... You had strong opinions on the subject, or we had lost our connection. <laughs> well, you know, you're not wrong. I mean, like, here's the thing: you could actually get a dog signature. You just need to like get some ink on the bottom of its paws, press it against a piece of paper. That's its signature. That's a thing a dog can actually participate in. That's a thing a dog can actually do. A dog cannot write his own fucking book. <laughs> Oh, let's so see. my answer to that is a dog signature is worth more than a copy of his autobiography. Um, I just googled dog books written by dogs. <laughs> is this a genre that um, I'm a, unaware of? I I think that Google misunderstood. Um, okay, seven greatest books ever written by dog authors. I mean, Art but of Racing in the Rain would about, be up there. I think these are just books written about dogs. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, Gray Badge, the Gray Badge of Courage, The Curious Case of Benjamin Bloodhound. Art yeah, of Racing. As I Lay Panting. Is Art of Racing in the Rain up there? Because it should be. In the, the seven? No. Well, then they're fucking liars. Um, however, when you just Google it, it's the second one. The Art of Racing in the Rain um, is second to The Call of the Wild. Dude, I saw that movie. Like, it was the last movie I saw in theaters before the whole world shut down. Um, the Art of Racing in the Rain? No, no, no. Uh, Call of the Wild. Oh, with um, with Han Solo? Yeah, with Harrison Ford. It was pretty good, actually. CGI yeah, um, weird, the- but it was good. The last one I saw was Parasite. Oh, I still haven't seen that. I should. And that's only and the, and that's just because it was uh, I was living in the UK at the time and it was it got to the UK like 6 or 7 months after it came to North America. So 
it was new when I saw it in theaters this last February. Uh, but yeah, hey, we're we've we've been going around for about forty or so minutes. Yeah, and I feel the edible um, starting to kick in. So let's let's <laughs> let's wrap this up oh, now. Did did you ever did you ever watch the podcast? Um, it's a uh, it's like the community podcast that um, Allison Bree's on, and like halfway through, her edible kicks in, and it's hilarious. I haven't seen that, but that sounds very funny. So yeah, so um, so what's your final thoughts? I love this movie. For me, this is like one of those once in a lifetime movies. Just like ten out of ten all around. I. I feel like I'd like to rewatch it on something that's not my computer screen. Oh, man, that's um, like if I like uh, maybe maybe like watch it a second time with like a projector or something like that. Oh, absolutely. Um, do so it. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to reserve. I'm, I'm like my initial reactions is that this is a, um, a a a movie I didn't enjoy, but but greatly respected, and I want to I want to hold out. Um, lasting impressions till i see it a second time see and that's way because more, i thought every- that's, that's way more liberty than i'm giving to the shape of water <laughs> i gotta say you're a bigger man than i am because yeah you know, like people are like what do you think of shape of water don't get me wrong i know that like it's a critically acclaimed movie i know it won the oscar for best picture i know that like if i watched it again i might pick up on stuff i didn't see the first time but whenever somebody talks about shape of water i'm like you know what fuck that movie fuck everybody who is <laughs> the family's dead <laughs> I, I i i really like it um, but that's the kind of diversity of opinion you get here at a few Goodman. Hey, uh, hey, do you think do you think we want to do Argo for next week? Ooh, Argo would be a good one to do. Uh, I was actually like, yeah, I think yeah, let's do Argo. I was also my roommate recommended a movie to me, and I'm trying to remember what it's called. But apparently, it's this one of like it's not a very good movie, but it's like incredibly strange and like. Just has this. Far is John Goodman concept. in it? He is, and that's why it was recommended. <laughs> it was called. Like, What's it about? It's called. It's about like you know if you know how we have the International Space Station. Imagine if they kept yeah. adding on to that to the point where it has started to have its own gravitational pull, and so the it has to be launched farther out into space. And then soon, like other civilized, like civilized planets, start adding on to it until it's this massive city in the middle of space. It's called City of a Thousand Planets, and apparently, like really concept, but like really like stupid. Like apparently, the movie's really stupid. Are you, you mean Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets? Valerian in the City of the Thousand Planets. Yes. Is John Goodman in that movie? Apparently, I was told he was. Maybe he's not. Let's look it Just up. Just a second, because I've seen that movie. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, I'm going to make you watch it. If John I saw it in, I, Yeah, I guess, I guess he plays a character named Egon Cirrus. Or yeah, Cyrus. He's not, yeah, he's not in the movie very long, but he's in it. And you know what? Oh. You made me watch that fucking Billy Chris or uh, John. Uh, 
You know the movie. It's not Billy Crystal. It's Walter Matthau and Robin Williams. Robin Williams. You mean the survivors where where he has a single line? (laughs) Yeah, he had one line and we're like, that counts, I guess. Yeah, it's one of his very first movies. But yeah, John Goodman is in um, the Valerian in the... Oh, I have, I definitely already have thoughts on this movie. Do you want do you want to do this movie next week or do you want to do Argo next week? You know, you know what? Just because we did a great movie this week, let's do a piece of shit next week, and then we'll do <laughs> Argo the week after. Oh, you you heard? Hey, everybody listening, you heard the way that this is planned. Uh, you got a behind the scenes <laughs> peek. <laughs> so, uh, Our- hey, um. So just before we go, hey, we're 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 back. Uh, we this is episode three of season two, but episodes one and two were recorded about a month ago. Um, so how's it feel, Mark? How's it feel to be back in the saddle? I'm, I'm I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to be like because like it looks like the world's starting to shut down again. So now I'm like I'm very much bracing to lose the rest of my gigs for the rest of the year. So I'm looking forward to have something to like. To be, have something to have a creative outlet. <clears throat> do you have any? Uh, do you have any plugs? Um, I mean, when is this coming out? This is coming out. Just let me look at my calendar. On the twenty seventh, November twenty seventh. Yeah. Okay, so this is so then this weekend I am in Fort McMurray with Lisa Baker. Uh, and next weekend, uh, December 3rd to the 6th, you can catch me at the Comic Strip at West Edmonton Mall. December 12th, you can Lethbridge, you can catch me at Good Times. Uh, and then December 18th and 19th, Edmonton again, you can catch me at Yuck Yucks. Nice, nice. Good times, good times. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so next week, A Thousand Planets. Um... Yeah. <laughs> can't wait. Mark, you I can't are... wait, Dana. Mark, you are taking yourself down in the process. I, I am, I'm aware, but you know what? <laughs> you said the dog in this movie didn't deserve an Oscar, and I want to see you bleed for it. <laughs> so you're willing to shoot yourself to get the person behind you. Uh, okay. Yes. Um, yes. Well, we'll see you anyway, next week. <laughs> see you next week. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs>